Oil and water don't go together. Hair dryer in a bathtub, not a good idea. Vegetables on a pizza, absolutely not. <laughs> Nuts in any baked goods, absolutely not. You could say that anyone that mixes any of that stuff together is what? Plum crazy. Who would put those types of things together? They don't go together. Religious leaders and sinners. They don't go together. Putting a religious leader in the home of a sinner is like putting a hairdryer in a bathtub. It's not going to be good. Yet this morning we come to a very familiar story to a lot of us. A story where a religious leader, one who's been leading a big movement, who's gaining in popularity, ends up going to the home of the biggest sinner in the city. Why? Why would a religious leader go into the home of this sinner? I want to answer that question today. Why? And maybe as we answer that question, why does Jesus go in the home of Zacchaeus? Maybe it'll actually help all of us to answer this question on the wall. What do you love about God's love? I would contend that when we get to the heart of this story about Zacchaeus, it's going to help us understand the love of God and encourage our own hearts. Most of us are familiar with this story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is known as this short person who climbed up in a tree. Jesus came and said, come on down. We sing a song about that um, story. But most of us think of Zacchaeus as this nice little short man who people liked. Zacchaeus is not like me. So, Zacchaeus, we've got to reframe our picture here a little bit. Zacchaeus is not a nice little short man. Zacchaeus is a shrewd businessman. Zacchaeus is a criminal. Zacchaeus is a contract employee for one of the evilest governments of all time. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. And I know if I asked this morning, how many like the IRS? I probably would get very few hands. If you open up your newspaper, you never see letters to the editor saying, we love the tax man. Now, the tax people, the IRS, they work for our government. They're employees of the United States government. We may not like always what they do, but we don't hate the employees of the IRS. Now, Zacchaeus is a tax collector, but in a very different sense than what you and I understand as a tax collector. Zacchaeus is actually a self-employed business owner. So go with me for a second, and let's say this is a small little nation, small little village, sorry, sorry, small little village over here. This village is owned by this bigger nation that is a little ways away. So I'm Zacchaeus. What I do is I'm a businessman. I'm in this little village. I go to the bigger nation and I say, hey, I will collect taxes for you and have it delivered to you each month. The governor or whoever says to me, sounds like a good deal. I need $630 every month from your small little village. So I'm a business person. I come over here and I say, let's see here. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 20, 25, 30 people here. So I can collect 30 people. I got $630 that I need to bring in every month, 630 divided by 30. Somebody help me with the math. 
21, well done. Thing. You can keep your tax bill at 21, sir. Thing. So $21 a month here that I've got to collect from everyone. Now, they're asking for $630, but there's no top here of what they're saying I can collect. Now, of these 30, I'm actually only going to be able to collect from about 20 of them because not everybody's going to pay. So then I got to make up that if I was going to charge 21, I got to make up for 10 that aren't going to pay. So I got to make up $210, $220, whatever that is. So now I can't charge everybody 21. I've got to charge everybody 35 or 40. So mm, now we're up to 35 or 40 dollars. But you know what? I still haven't put food on my own table. So I'm a business person. I want to make some money. I I think a fourfold is a good return. So see, if we're up to 40, I'm going to charge four. 160 a person seems like a fair tax bill. So Zacchaeus, hey, I need 160 from everybody. Zacchaeus collects 160 from everybody. Let's say he collects 160 from 20. What's 20 times 160? Not everybody's so quick here on this one. What do we got? 3,200. Okay, 3,200. I owe, how much do I owe the government? 630. I give the Roman government 630. I collected 3,200. How much do I have left? A lot. Now, do you think people are going to begin to see that the, the tax guy's living in a little bigger home than everyone else? Not only that, but word spreads throughout the community of how much the Roman government is actually collecting. It becomes known pretty quickly that what? We're getting gouged at a pretty good rate here. How well do you think I'm liked over in the village here? You think I'm getting invited to social hour on Fridays at 4? Whose name's getting thrown under the bus at social hour at 4 on Fridays? Zacchaeus, right? Nobody likes the tax collector. Why is it that Zacchaeus had to climb up a tree? He was short. No, no, not because he was short. I'm short. I've never climbed up in a tree at a parade. He couldn't get a front row seat. Why do you think Zacchaeus couldn't get a front row seat? Nobody wants him to be with their family. No one wants to be seen with him. This man is hated. He is despised. Not just by the community people, he's also hated and despised by the religious people. The religious people, there was a group called zealots. They were zealots because they believed they should overthrow the Roman government using power. They were famous for having knives and backstabbing tax collectors. Do you know that one of Jesus' 12 disciples was a zealot? Now, can you imagine the little committee meeting? that the 12 disciples are having as Jesus is walking with Zacchaeus to his house. I, I mean, let's just imagine for a moment, uh, hey, uh, Peter, Peter, do you know whose house Jesus is going with? Yeah, yeah, just shut up and let him do what he wants to do. Um, um, Peter, Peter, what are we going to do about Mark? Mark's got a knife, and, and Mark uses a knife on guys like who Jesus is with. Uh, yeah, I, I can't control him. I, I, I don't know what he's what he's doing. This isn't wise. We don't support what he's doing right now. Let's kind of stay over here. I mean, can you imagine the conversation? If these are real people, they're not like, yeah, go Jesus. Go Jesus. He's our master. No, they're like, yeah, I don't, we weren't traveling with him. We didn't come into town with him. Because what's everybody else doing? The Bible tells us what everybody else is doing in Luke 19. 
Luke 19, it says in verse 7, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. Okay, there was no cheering. There was no nice Sunday school song about, oh, Jesus is going to Zacchaeus' house. No, people were like, what is he doing? Why is he going to be at the house of the chief sinner in our city? This is radical that the leader of the biggest religious movement of that time, who's a miracle man, becoming famous, now goes to a small village and ends up going where? To the house that no one else wants to go to. Jesus is doing the unthinkable. Why is Jesus doing the unthinkable? Why would he dare go to the home of someone who treats people so poorly? Why would Jesus go to the home who is a pawn for the very government that's trying to crush God's people. This is critical. The Roman government killed more Christians, more faithful followers of God than any government we know today. They were evil. You think we have evil today? These people put people on a cross in public. Jesus was not the first person to go on a cross. It was common execution from that government. That government was employing this Zacchaeus, contracting with him. Where does Jesus go? To that guy's house. Why? If, if I'm a servant in one of the homes, and I've just been begging for a long time for help, for hope, and the guy that I think's bringing my help and my hope comes to town, and I'm sitting here saying, hey, Jesus, heal me of my leprosy. What do you think's going on in my mind when I see Jesus walking into the home of the man that's cheated me for the last 10 years. It's not going to be good. So why? Why would Jesus be willing to offend religious people? Why would Jesus be willing to offend anyone in the community for this individual? Look with me in Luke 19, verse 10. We get the reason why, and it starts with the same word we had you circle last week. For. Verse 10, for. In other words, the reason that Zacchaeus has salvation the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The reason that Jesus is in the home of Zacchaeus is because Jesus says this is what the Son of Man, Jesus, came to do, was to go to lost people. Lost people, very just a Bible word for sinner. People who are far from God. Zacchaeus was in his home because Jesus came to do that very thing. Why did Jesus come for sinners, for the lost? I would ask that we would take into consideration John 3.16. A lot of people know this and have seen it. It gives us the answer why Jesus is in the home of Zacchaeus. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. And then verse 17. For God did not send His own Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Why is Jesus in the home of Zacchaeus? Jesus is in the home of Zacchaeus because of the love of God. There's only one reason that Jesus goes into that home, because God loves people. Why is Jesus sent to seek and to save the lost? Because God the Father sent him to do it. Why did God the Father send Jesus? John 3.16, God so loved the world. The reason that Jesus does the unthinkable, goes where no other religious leader is willing to go is because His Father, our Father, the Creator of the universe, loves people. 
This is at the basis, the foundation of why Jesus is in the home of Zacchaeus. Jesus is not there for PR. This is a really bad PR move. Jesus is not there to cuddle up politically with Rome. He's already in hot water with Rome. This is not a good idea. It's not going to help. Jesus is there for one reason. God loves people. If Jesus is willing to go into the home of the most hated man in town because his Father loves people, what should you and I be willing to do today? Because God loves people. What I love about God's love is that God's love doesn't wait for you and I to love. Jesus doesn't go and check the credentials of Zacchaeus first and foremost. He already knows, obviously. He goes into his home. God doesn't sit up in heaven and say, hey, I'm going to wait until my people kind of get it together, and then I'll send my son. No, for God so loved the world that he sent. God initiates. The love of God is so great because it's not dependent upon you or I. It meets us where we are at. The love of God is so great in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. doesn't wait for us to clean up. God's love is so great in that it doesn't wait for reciprocating love. God does not wait for proof that we're going to love Him back when He sends His Son, Jesus. The exact opposite is what ends up happening. God loves the world, so He sends His Son. What happens? The world hates Him his son. They kill him. God's love is not dependent upon our response. God's love is not dependent upon where I have been or what I have done. God loves people. That's why Jesus is in the house of Zacchaeus. What could be said of you and I today? I was in the first grade classroom of Terry Redland because God loves people. I was in my neighbor's home bringing fresh bread because God loves people. I was on a plane traveling to Mongolia to plant churches in northern China because God loves people. I was willing to set aside personal religious preference to reach out to someone and make them feel comfortable even though I was uncomfortable because God loves people. God's love drives Jesus out of heaven. Maybe you've never thought of it that way. Do you realize the magnitude of what Jesus does? He's living in the most magnificent castle. I mean, they're in heaven. And Jesus has to leave. I would have loved to have been privy to that conversation. Uh, what? Fa Father, what? He's forced out. Why? Because of the love of his Father. God so loved the world that he sends his one and only Son. What are the implications for you and I today because of God's love for people? The first is this. No matter where you're at today or where you have been or what you're doing today or what you have done, guess what? God loves you. God wants to be in relationship with you. God wants to renew you. God wants to give you a fresh start. Not because of anything you've done at all but because God loves you. The very first implication of God's love is this. 
I have confidence because I get my identity as God's child. I'm not living for what other people say, but I'm living as God's child because I've got the one person saying to me, I love you, and that changes everything. God meets us where we're at. Implication one. Implication two of God's love, God's love causes radical things to happen. Notice what happens with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is with Jesus. Next thing you know, Zacchaeus says what? Hey, I'll give back what I've done. And then he says, I'll give back fourfold those whom I have cheated. Now, when someone gets in trouble in our culture, and even in most religious cultures, someone gets in trouble and they've got to pay the penalty, what happens? A little bit of jail time. Um, hey, be sorry for what you've done. Da, 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 and then back out on probation. Very rarely, almost never, is complete restitution provided and beyond. Because we're living in a justice system. God's operating in a mercy system. What happens is Zacchaeus is like, Zacchaeus could get off by just saying, hey, here's the money exactly back of what I had. No, no, he goes above and beyond. Because God's love does radical stuff. Everywhere you read the Bible, from the book of Acts on, the church is doing crazy things, selling property. I'm not making this stuff up. People do weird stuff in the book of Acts. Why? Because God's love has gotten a hold of them. God's love has changed them because of the person of Jesus Christ coming into their life. God's love causes radical things to happen. God's love meets us where we're at. And finally, God loves forces us. And I use this word force, not with a mean spirit, but with a recognition of the seriousness of Scripture. God's love forces us to go. If God's love forced His own Son out of heaven, how much more does God's love force church people out of the church and into the world? God's love forces us to go and love our neighbor. But the love of God is a completely different type of force than anything we've seen before. The force that we're used to seeing is what? A heavy fist. Do this or feel the pain. God's force is this. I've given my son. I've given everything I have. Now be like him. God lo God's love moves us to go. What do you love about God's love? When I look at the story of Zacchaeus, what I love about God's love is God's love initiates. What I love about God's love is God's love does not look at a past record and hold it against them. What I love about God's love is it elevates people above all else. Maybe we could take a moment this morning and answer that question in our own hearts. What do I love about God's love? If you can't answer that question this morning, I want to be frank with you that you haven't experienced the love of God then. You haven't come to the point where you know God in a personal relationship. Because when you come to know God in a personal relationship, His love is abounding and life-changing. We're going to take a moment right now, and as we finish up our Valentine's party today, I want to finish with two thoughts. First is this. God's love 
puts our focus on people. God's love puts our focus on people. That's why we go. We don't go to get a bigger building. We don't go to get a bigger name. We go because what? There's people there. We're going to Terry Redland because there's people there. We're going to Jamaica, there's people there. Mongolia, there's people there. We're going next door because what? That's a person. God loves people. God's love puts our pursuit to people. First thought we should have ingrained in our mind of why Jesus goes into the home of Zacchaeus because God loves people. And then as we finish our party today, I want you to answer the question for yourself. What do you love about God's love? So we're going to take a moment right now. I know we're getting long. We're going to take a moment right now and the musicians are going to come up and they're going to sing for us uh, a song. And as they sing for us the song reminding us about who God is, what God has done, I just ask you, grab your pen. This could get a little chaotic. That's all right. Grab your pen. Just walk up to the wall. Just write that down on the wall. Not on the wall, on the paper. Think Right on the paper. Sorry about that. Right on the paper. What do you love about God's love? If it comes to your mind right away, do it right away. If it takes a little bit in the song, then go do it then. If you need to wait till after the service, do it then. But just go right on that piece of paper. What do you love about God's love? Let's pray. God, speak to our hearts right now. Remind us right now of your love. I ask God that your love would be made known to each person in this room. I pray for each person that receives a gift card in the next 24, 48 hours. God, I ask that their hearts would be encouraged. God, I ask that you take these cards, these gift cards. God, I ask that people's hearts and minds would be moved to consider Jesus. God, I pray that people would experience love. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for loving us that you sent your own son to die. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.